Now, Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Always glad to have you with us. Today, we're going to be looking all over the place at sort of the range of businesses that we have here in Southeast New England with two very different companies that are both uh, doing some very interesting things. Later on in the show, we're going to hear about Where Your Music, which is taking guitar picks and turning them into jewelry and uh, is has all sorts of big names attached to it. It's a really interesting company. But first, I'm very pleased to be joined by Mac Barber. He is the CEO of IX Blue. Defense Systems. Mac, thanks for being here. Thank you. Nice to be here. So IX Blue, not necessarily a company uh, most people are buying things from unless you're at the Pentagon. Uh, tell us a little bit, what do you do at IX Blue Defense? We are a defense technology company. Uh, we're actually foreign owned. We're owned by a French company based just outside of Paris. And we build navigation systems for the defense market. Uh, in Lincoln, Rhode Island, which we're, we just moved to recently, we are, fo the, we are focused specifically on the defense market. There's other portions of IX Blue that, uh, that go after other portions of the market. This is an example of some of the technology right here. Um, this is the low end of the product. It weighs about three pounds. If you think about, um, if you have, a, if you have a, a navigation system in your car and you're driving to the Logan Airport and you drive in the tunnel, you're going to lose your navigation. Mm -hmm. This technology would allow you to continue to know what direction you're going, how fast you're going, and, and, and essentially where you are on the earth. So what's it actually, what are we looking at here? We have a nice close-up of it here. Uh, so po uh, point out Printed what circuit boards. Okay. Inside this can, yep. there's actually three spools of fiber, fiber optics. Okay. And each spool, XYZ, measures different directions and they, the, the, what, it, what it does is it provides a solution when you don't have GPS. Gotcha. Which in the military is often. Sure, yeah, because we all um, know the, the frustration when your yep, phone goes out and you're yep, trying to get yep. to some place you haven't been. If you're underwater, you clearly don't have <laughs> GPS. Actually, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, one of the lessons learned was the forces, our forces didn't have GPS in Iraq and Afghanistan, most of the time the ground forces. And the reason they didn't have it is because they were jamming GPS. And the reason they were jamming GPS is they were shutting down the detonation devices for IEDs, mm -hmm. cell phones, uh, garage door openers. Mm -hmm. And so when they came back, they said, uh, we need some other way to do it. They were navigating in the city with, with maps and compasses. In, two, in the 2000s. Yep. And oh, so wow. this really, th this technology has been around for a while, but it really... It really almost exploded in terms of opportunity. That is fascinating. So um, when you're, so how recently, I guess, was this level of, uh, you know, non-GPS GPS <laughs> available? So because I'd have to think it's, that is a it's, a big change for people trying to pilot these ships underwater. It's been around for a long time. It's just expanding in terms of the number of times you apply it. Okay. A lot of our business is in autonomous underwater vehicles mm -hmm. in the the. Uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts area are the majority of the manufacturers of those vehicles, which can be as long as this table. And this gives them the ability, they'll start with GPS when on the surface, but when they go under the surface, they don't have it anymore. And this gives them you know, direction speed. And How much is it? This particular, this is the low end of our product line, which weighs about uh, three pounds. Yeah, it's and not that heavy for people, uh, people can't see at home, but it's not. Yeah, it's not it, would, it, would, it would cost around $30,000. <laughs> This is thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a lot more expensive than your host. <laughs> the high end of the product is about fifty pounds, and it's this big. It'd be used on a navy ship, a mm -hmm. navy submarine. 
that would sell for five hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, just depending on the different performance that you needed. Wow! So you mentioned it already, but uh, let's talk about. So one reason you're here, you've just actually moved officially uh, IX Blue's headquarters from Natick, Mass, to Lincoln, Rhode Island. Yep. Unsurprisingly, state officials were elated. They had the big ribbon cutting. They were very yeah. excited. Uh, what drove the decision? Why Rhode Island? Well, it was a, it, looking back at the time, it was a difficult decision. Looking back now, I, I'm not sure why it was so hard. The move to Rhode Island was a great move for us. Um, the uh, Governor Raimondo, uh, Stephen Pryor, the Commerce Corporation, these guys were great. And it wasn't just that they were trying to sell us, which they were trying to do this. They were also trying to help us. And it was a it was a a great move. Um, and we had the ribbon cutting on May the 30th, I believe it was. I don't know what state in the United States you could have two senators, a, a governor, a congressman uh, for a ribbon cutting. For a, We have uh, 13 people in in the Rhode Island area now. That's, that's you know, that's pretty unique. I'm curious how it began. Did, they, did you, were you looking around potentially moving and you reached out to Rhode Island and they start to pitch you or did they get wind of it and they came after you? Well I have an attorney, had an attorney, he's since changed jobs, but in Providence who was con trying to convince us to move and I was like, why, why would I want to do that? Massachusetts is fine. And then he introduced me to the Commerce Corporation and that really began the, the discussion. Um, I, I actually intended to stay in Massachusetts, um, the, uh, but the, the, the effort that the state made to bring us here brought us here. And I, looking back now, it was a great decision for us. Um, as of last week, we hired our first um, employee, new employee since moving, uh, who will start in two weeks. Um, so we'll be at 13 in two weeks. And do you expect to continue to grow? Does it look like you'll yeah. add, you know, yeah. you, will you be 13 forever? Do you hope to add more? No, I expect, um, I mean, our, our revenues right now are running around 10 million a year with 13 people. We'll be 100 million a year within five years. Really? Yeah, it's it's a it's an exploding uh, market. And is that because you already have contracts built in or you just can tell where the we, market is going? We have, we have some, but also we know where the market's going. And we've done a lot of work. Um, some of the larger opportunities are still in development. Another reason why we came to Rhode Island was we got great support from um, Congressman James Langevin, uh, Senator Jack Reed, who are positioned in Washington in the right places to, to, to really push some of the, the uh, the spending that needs to be uh, done in the defense area. Yeah, both high on the uh, yeah. armed services committees yeah. on either yeah. side there. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mac Barber about what they do at IX Blue and the defense sector at large in Southeast New England. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Later on in the show, we're going to hear about a company called Wear Your Music out of Providence and uh, what they're doing with some very famous musicians. It's really fascinating. But right now, pleased to continue the conversation with Mac Barber. He is the CEO of IX Blue Defense Systems, which recently moved from Massachusetts to Rhode Island and is expanding rapidly in the undersea navigation high-tech world, including this device, if you're just <laughs> joining us, uh, that goes for $30,000. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of technology in here. Mac, uh, you actually had a Rhode Island connection already mm -hmm. uh, leading into uh, this move because just a few years ago, you, you decided, as you mentioned, IX Blue parent is, is French mm -hmm. and decided to manufacture a, a product in the United States for the first time and you actually selected Federal Electronics in uh, Cranston. It used to be Federal Radio and TV, I believe, uh, <laughs> when they began uh, to manufacture it. Why Federal Electronics and why did you decide to manufacture in the U.S. at all? Well, we're actually required by law 
if um, if we put this technology on a Navy ship, mm. by law, we're required to manufacture it in the U.S. And it makes sense because the, the Defense Department really doesn't want to be buying a lot of foreign products. Right. So I went looking around to try to find a place, and I was introduced to Federal Electronics, and it was an, it was an instant connection. So in November of 2018, we, we shipped the first two products, which is actually the high-end product. Much It's the larger one I was telling you about earlier. Um, to a Navy program called a Combat Ship, which was a huge, huge thing for us. Um, the process of transitioning, you know, everyone talks about bringing manufacturing from foreign back into the U.S. Well, we did it. And it's not trivial. It's a lot of work. Um, the connection with Federal Electronics was perfect. I mean, they did a, they did a phenomenal job. And then because their thing is, they do, as I understand it, Federal <coughs> Electronics does these like specialty. They do. You know, because you're not making, churning out 100,000 of right. these a day or something. That's you right. need to do a yeah. small number that are yep. precise yep. and perfect. Yep. Yeah, they, they, they say they do things no one else wants to do, which was perfect for us because uh, you have a lot of issues too because we, we moved the drawings from France over here. Well, they're in French. Uh, okay, no problem. We translated them. We translated them. We gave them to the engineers. They couldn't understand them. So then we had to translate the English to engineering English. So we've learned a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, we went through the government to get approval that what we were doing actually qualified as manufactured in the U.S. because we're still bringing some, mm. some uh, technology from France. Um, but it also, I think it also got us some attention with the, the congressional members, too, because this is something that's important because it's jobs. It's jobs at federal. It's jobs at our facility. So it, it was a it was a good move. And you talk about jobs. So the defense sector is is one of the leading lights of the Rhode Island economy in recent <clears throat> decades. I mm -hmm. last checked, over thirty thousand people employed in the defense industry uh, in Rhode Island. Of course, a Navy base in Newport. What do you see as the biggest trends that are going to affect uh, the defense sector in Rhode Island over the next decade or so? And how do you think the region is positioned uh, to be helped or harmed by those trends? Well, I think, I think the unmanned area in defense is going to continue to grow. And if you think about it congressionally, having an unmanned system go in as opposed to a manned system, that's a good thing. And certainly Rhode Island is positioned well for that. Uh, Newick does a lot of work in that area. That's a Naval Undersea Warfare yep, Center. We work with them closely. Sanidi is a really good organization as well uh, that's done an excellent job of putting people together. Uh, one of the things that we look, even when we go to federal and we look at manufacturing something like this, we also look at Rhode Island companies that could d d be part of that supply chain. So it's a, it's a really good state for that, and there's a lot of technology and a lot of capability in the state, which makes it ideal for what we're trying to do. It's, it's a good move for us. And undersea, we talked about that. You mm -hmm. just mentioned Newick, the Naval Undersea Warfare Center, and uh, we've had other companies on that are really focused on what happens underwater and how mm -hmm. to, you know, how to, whether it's tactically offensive operations or just defending and keeping the ship safe. Um, how does Rhode Island have a real edge there right now compared with other regions that, that have that in defense? It's certainly been there's been an effort at it. Well, certainly, the the Massachusetts Rhode Island area does. I mean, they do have. I I, I find it fascinating that it's it pretty much owns that, that undersea unmanned market, um, some in Rhode Island, some in Massachusetts. Um, right now, today, that's a big uh, portion of our business is in that area. But the growth we see is really there plus the manned Navy uh, market. Um, when I, I joined IX Blue in 2013 in Natick, and then we moved in 2019, the whole time I was in Natick, I don't recall having more than one, one or two times where we had government customers visit. Since we've moved 
to Lincoln, we've had seven visits by senior level naval officials. Um, so it's the, the timing is good. The market is is huge. One of the problems that we have is we have more opportunities than we have people to go after them. Now that's a nice place I to be, good to but have. it's also frustrating mm. because strategically that says you have to make a decision of what you're not going to do. Mm -hmm. That's hard to say. Well, I'm not going to chase that piece of business. That's that's tougher than saying I'm going to chase that piece of business. So it's a, it's a really unique time. I think that I've been in the defense business since 1977, and the the business tends to be this way. Um, it's becoming more more stable, mm. though, which is a good thing it's for businesses. It's, it's difficult for, for defense contractors when the business is going like this, and then four years later it goes like this. Yeah. It makes it really hard to manage. It's becoming a little bit more stable, and I think that's good news. All right, Mac Barber, we're out of time. CEO of IX Blue Defense Systems, thanks for joining us. We'll be Thank keeping you. an eye on uh, everything you guys are up to. Don't go away, though. When we come back, we're going to talk with Hannah Garrison from Where Your Music. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi, and pleased to be joined now by Hannah Garrison. Hannah is the president and designer at Wear Your Music in Providence. We have some of their items on display here on the table. Hannah, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ted. So this is just fascinating. I think people are going to get such a kick out of this. Tell us about what you do at Wear Your Music. I'm really lucky when I get to describe our project because it is absolutely cool. Basically, my job is to call up a ton of famous people and ask for their garbage. Literally, we collect the guitar, string, the guitar strings that are discarded after huge concerts by acclaimed musicians. Everyone from Eric Clapton to Metallica to John Mayer. The list goes on. We collect these strings, then people order them, and we turn them into wearable memorabilia. So guitar string bracelets, pendants, wearable cuffs, memorabilia made out of the actual guitar strings from your favorite artists. So I, I have an ignorant question for you. How often are, do they have to change, like if you have like a big concert, is, the, is, that, is it a one night only for the strings? Do they immediately change them? Or? It's an interesting question and one that a lot of people ask actually. It is completely different per artist. Some artists, Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead, he loves to keep his strings for as long as humanly possible. So for him, I only get about one set of strings, so six strings off his guitar a year. But then you have someone like Brian Adams, and Brian Adams plays with, we saw him recently, and he was fabulous, I have to say. But he plays with, I think, six or seven guitars on tour, and they're constantly cycling these guitars out every night and changing all the strings, so we have huge amounts of his guitar strings, so it's really, really different per artist. So your inventory is entirely driven by how often the, the, the type of the frequency they want their strings changed. Yes, it is. The inventory is an interesting thing. Um, some artists we have tons and tons, and some artists we have very, very small quantities. So it's it's a it's a great idea. Where did the idea come from? How did you get this started? Well, it's actually a funny story. So I grew up doing the farmer's market on Block Island. So um, before farmer's markets were exactly the trend <laughs> that they are today, I was out there and I was making jewelry out of recycled materials. So any kind of recycled goods, you know, anything that I could find that was left in my studio. And I had musician friends. And so they would hang out in my studio and play and change their strings. And these pieces, these pieces of guitar strings and this refuse would just become part of, part of the materials that I worked with. So, I, you know, part of what's impressive to me is, as you mentioned names already, I was looking through your website, like, you have Adam Levine, Bonnie Raitt, Dave Matthews, James Taylor. I mean, how, 
How did you get through? I'm sure the layers of it's not like you just call those people up yourself. I do. On a, do, you, do you? Can you I get mean, to that them? That is basically what I do at this point. I'm calling their managers. I'm calling their guitar techs. I'm calling their publicists. But basically, a lot of my job is talking on the phone. Was it one of those where uh, you had, it was hardest to get the first couple, and then once you could say Absolutely. to the other ones, James Taylor's doing Absolutely. this. Absolutely. I mean, as soon as I can say a handful of large musicians' names, then I think at that point it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Sort of, uh, it sort of verifies it for people. Like, okay, this is a legitimate. This thing. is legitimate. These are, are they really? You know, in the beginning, a lot of people would ask, you know, are these really from those artists? Yeah. But as more and more artists started to donate, I think we have over 150 now. Um, people began to see the legitimacy of the project. And again, when I call people, now they've heard of it. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier. So uh, do you get to meet any of these people? I do. Okay, it's funny because I'm not a music person. So coming really? into this, I'm not like a fangirl. It was never my idea to like. <laughs> go out and meet all the famous musicians, but at this point, especially now as I have more staff and we've grown a little bit, I try to do more getting out. Does it matter that you're in Providence and not, you know, Nashville, New York, Hollywood, wherever, you know, the music scene is? It really doesn't, you know, I travel sometimes. I was just in Me Memphis, Tennessee. We actually just were awarded one of the 12 grants, the small business grant from FedEx, so that was a very big honor and we were just traveling down there. But in general, um, a lot of artists tour, so I just meet them on their tours, Boston, New York, Providence. And you thank them for uh, doing this? I thank <laughs> them, I do a little meet and greet backstage, yeah. I get to kind of feel out the artist, you know, they all have different personalities. I think our most three recent, we went to see the Zombies, which was super fun, they were fabulous. Went to see Lisa Loeb, which of course is like <laughs> a blast from my own yes. youth. <laughs> And um, we did go just see Brian Adams at Mohegan Sun. So um, how, you, part of the appeal for them is that you a portion of the sale goes to charity and they get to pick the charity, right? The yes, they get to do. pick the charity. So take Carlos Santana, his, the profits from his bracelets go to the Milagro Foundation. Take, so each of our artists selects their own kind of charity of yeah, choice. Yeah, any really interesting ones or ones you think? I think with? one of my favorites is Nordoff Robbins, which is an amazing music therapy charity. And I love them because every Every time we give them a check, they tell us literally how many sessions of music therapy they were able to provide a child. Do you have a total? How much you've been able to give to charity so far? I do. We've raised over half a million dollars for charity in um, over the last six years. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, but it's also a company. You you run this as a business, and you talk a lot yes. about. Um, you describe it as a values-driven organization, as yes. well as a women owned, a woman-owned organization. Yes. Uh, talk about why that's important to you, and how you balance. You know, being mission driven with being at some point you have to make payroll and yep. you know pay the bills and make sure your inventory is on time and how you, how you find that balance? I think that when I look at the companies that I choose to support in my everyday life, clothing, clothing places I shop from, where I spend my money, I try to make intentional decisions. I mean I have the privilege of doing so and so I want to point out that that is a that is a privilege. I have the privilege of making decisions with my money and choosing where I put my impact. And I think I bring that personal mission right along to where your music with who I hire, what I, you know, where I source my packaging, where I source my materials, getting labor that's USA driven, getting USA made materials. And so I think I take those personal values and I bring them to the company and I see what works and I see what the fan base responds to and people, there is a huge, huge demand for sustainable business, business that is profitable. I'm not shying away from profit. I'm not saying I want to pay more for things, but I am saying that there are people who care where they're spending their money. There are people who want to make 
sustainable initiatives, more profitable, more powerful, and more the norm, where that shouldn't be a, oh, and I have to go and search out this, this initiative. Uh, everything that I do, every place that I go, I want to know that that company is doing good. And so that's what I want, and so that's what I'm going to offer. And actually, and how you just mentioned it, but how you, how you got on my radar screen was when you won this FedEx Small Business Grant context, uh, Contest, I believe came with $15,000 grant for the company, it which did. I'm sure is always helpful. Uh, for always, I will take any business. grant money you want to give me, yes. <laughs> and you were just there, as you said, uh, you were on a panel, I think, about e-commerce. Any, you know, that's an interesting place to be, FedEx HQ. What, any interesting takeaways for you from that experience? You know, for me, the most exciting was to sit there with this group of 12 other entrepreneurs. I mean, that's my peer group. Often I'm with people in the music industry, but they're not CEOs. They're not running their own enterprises. They're not entrepreneurial. So for me, it was really about fostering that community, that entrepreneurial community, and seeing that the, cha the challenges that they had and the successes and kind of feeling held within that community. And um, I, I'm curious, uh, going back to the products, and we're looking at any examples here you want to point out that we're looking at? Whose who's are we looking at here? Well, I'm wear wearing a Rob Thomas necklace, pendant necklace. Nice. So I'm super, super stoked about him. He is one of the most recent artists to onboard. And we have an exciting launch. I'm going to whisper it to you, but don't tell anyone. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Okay, so later on, um, this is October, so in November, right around holiday season, we are launching the Mumford & Sons. Oh, that'll be a good seller, That's I a think. good one. That's and so I did do a meet and greet um, here in Rhode Island with them when they were here recently. Does it take you a long time usually, or is it often you, you ask and they're like, great. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's yes, heard of it, love it, want to do it, perfect. And other times it has to get through their channels. Mm -hmm. You know, is this possible? Is this something we can collect on tour? Um, all the artists that are displayed here today, I've got Willie Nelson down here in this cuff bracelet, which is right here. I have um, Nancy Wilson of Heart and Brian May. So a lot of the artists that donate to us are very, very, very well known. But we also have a whole collection, which you'll see down here in colors, that's one size bracelets, which are not from acclaimed musician strings. So we have some stocking stuffer type things, some things that are, you know, sell for about $20 and not the artist products, which are $50 to 500 And um, I'm just curious, who's the best seller? Or what are the best sellers? Ooh, who's the best seller? Um, John Mayer has traditionally been a really, really good seller, although not my personal music of choice. Um, I really think that, let's see, Ani DeFranco has mm. been a big seller. Her fan base is There's really tight. So I know, yeah, I, I know. In high school, and I'm going to see her next month here in Providence if you want to be my wingman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, actually, I've met her before. She's great, and she's been donating to the project. I actually went down to New Orleans. Um, her, the charity that she gives money About to 10 is, seconds left. is the Roots of Music in New Orleans, and it's a phenomenal charity. Hannah Garrison, this is awesome. Christmas is coming, so check out Rate Your Music. You can maybe find something for the music lover in your life. Thank you so much for being with us. It's wearyourmusic.com, right? Yes. And uh, if you missed any of this show or any other episode, you can find them all on WPRI.com or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. See you back here next week.